Welcome in to the Get Your Happy On Hour, featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Hey, we're here. Welcome to the Get Your Happy On Hour. I'm your host, Ricky C. Simmons on 93.7 The Ticket. We got a guest tonight. He's working out a couple of things right quick, so we're going to start the show, and hopefully he'll get in here shortly. Like, I give a big shout-out to Matt Warner and Empire Fencing in Waverly, Nebraska. Man, that's a that's a team of good people. You know, good people are very hard to find, and I'm just very impressed with Empire Fence, man. Just the way y'all go about your business, I think, is very impressive. So I want you to understand something. If you got fencing needs... Empire Fencing would probably be your first and only choice that you need. Well, I want to give a big shout out to the Lincoln Stars. Uh, I got the opportunity to do a puck drop. And you're talking about terrified? I was the happiest person in the world to see them put carpet out there because I cannot ice skate. I grew up in Texas. We don't know nothing about no ice skate. But I got a chance to do that. And it was a, actually, it was really fun. And I'm honored, and I just want to say thank you, Lincoln Stars, for giving me that opportunity. You know, I really, I don't take anything for granted. So doing that for the Lincoln Stars tonight kind of showed me a different a different side, man, of things that I have never really witnessed. So the good thing is always stay positive. No you matter. to shut that for me. Being negative is very easy to do. And I want you guys to know that. Uh, I think we might have a, I think my guest might be tuning in. Is that possible? Is that true? You're going to go out the garage? Okay. Is that, is that uh, Coach Huey out here in the background? Just, yeah. I, I can lock the front door. Well, hey, look. Okay, cool. Thanks. Coach Huey hears me. Hey, Coach Huey, can you hear me? Hello. Hello, this is Victor C. Simmons. I'm not in. Coach Huey, can you hear me? I don't think he can hear me. Have a great day, and remember to get your. Okay, well, um, I don't know what's going on. I think he's having some technical difficulties, but we'll try to get that worked out here in a minute. But my guest tonight is none other than my former college coach. His name is Gene Huey. Um. I hope we get that worked out. If not, then we'll try to make the best out of it. Uh, try one more time to see if Coach Huey can hear us. Coach Huey, are you there? I'm here. There we go. Okay, Coach Huey, you in the building. I was just wondering if uh, <laughs> if you would hear me, and I tried, and I couldn't. I heard you calling me on the phone, so we made it work, Coach. Well, my neighbor made it work. Okay, well that's all right. You tell your neighbor I said thank you very much because <laughs> I was we I was kind of concerned there for a minute, but somehow it worked out, and that's that's okay with me. Well, thank hey, you. coach. First of all, I want to say welcome to the show. Well, Rick, it's a pleasure. I mean, I know you've had some very fine guests on over the period of time, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, thank you. I mean, it means the world to me that you took time out to do this. Well, Coach, I'll be honest with you. I want to get right in because I think it's important that the listeners get a chance to hear from you about you. You know, a lot of times, only thing we hear about, whether it be a former coach or a former player, it's always uh, 
secondhand information. So we're going to hear from you tonight. I want to start with, where'd you grow up, Coach? I grew up in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. It's about okay. 50, 50 miles southeast, a little bit of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Now, growing up, did you play any kind of sports or anything, Coach? I played basketball, um, ran track, and also played football. Okay. Now, now, Coach, I got to ask this. Growing up playing all these sports, what high, when you went to high school, what high school did you go to there? It was Uniontown High School, right there in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. So you're a small – you're a one high school town? We're uh, – at the time we were, yes, it was a double A AA football. Uh, probably uh, maybe fifteen hundred students in in grades um, ten through twelve. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I get. I'm glad I get to ask these questions because you know you did your share of questioning me, and we'll get to that part later. But yeah. I want to know what did you? Uh, what was your favorite sport? Football, obviously. That's what I Okay. Yeah. So after you got done in high school, what happened next in Coach Huey's life? Well, I got uh, was able to go to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, Paul Roach was recruiting Western Pennsylvania. Okay. Fred Enswine was a baseball player at Wyoming back in the – late uh, 50s, early 60s, and he was an assistant football coach at my high school. Oh. And so that was the connection at first, and Lee Countenball was our head football coach. Uh, was a Clemson grad, um, grew up in um, western Pennsylvania himself, and so he was our high school football coach, and through he and Paul Roach making that connection, and Paul uh, uh, recruited me uh, to Wyoming in 1965. Okay, okay. So uh, that had to be kind of a little bit of a culture shock to go yeah. from where you grew up to, to Wyoming, or was it? You know, it wasn't, Rick, because I grew up in a very diverse community there in Uniontown. Poles, Czechs, Italians, Jewish, um, Syrian, Lebanese, you name it, I grew up in it. And we had a, a, a great community there where I grew up. And I say this to people. Uh, there's nothing in sports that I've ever done or accomplished that compares to where I grew up and those elders in my hometown and people who depended upon each other and took care of each other. Uh, that was an awesome thing to be part of growing up as a young kid there. Well, well Coach, when you got to Wyoming, though, you mm -hmm. said you, it wasn't that big of a change. No. What, uh, what, was, what was it like for you, though? I mean... Was that, was that your first time being away from home? It was. Um, I took my grandfather gave me the fifty five dollars for the one way <laughs> ticket out of, <laughs> out of Pennsylvania to take a train, and oh, wow. uh, along the way out, you know, we'd stop off in Chicago and various other points uh, across the country. And then you'd meet other players heading west, uh, along with myself. Um, some of these guys were people I played against in high school sports. So uh, it was nice. There were 120 of us uh, my freshman year in 1965, and seven of us remained as seniors. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, Coach, I got to say this before we go any further. Paul Smith, former Husker Paul Smith, told me to be sure and tell you hello. 
So I want to be sure I get that in. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Hello to Paul. Yeah, Paul Paul's doing well. He's out in LA and he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Now, Coach, now when you you said only seven of you guys remained at the end of your senior year, is that what you're saying? Yeah, because in those days, uh, at least at the Wyoming, and I'm sure this was common practice in other institutions, you know, you'd basically get a tryout. I mean, you'd come out to Dead Gill and and pick up a lot of numbers. Okay. The campus there in the fall on the freshman team, freshmen were not eligible to play on the varsity at that time. So you mm-hmm. had we had four freshman games. I think we played Colorado twice, Colorado State once, and the Air Force Academy. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so we had some pretty good – we had a good freshman team. But then it was basically, you know, uh, a numbers thing. And uh, they would recruit and bring a lot of people out there that first year on campus. Mm-hmm. And then you had a lot of attrition from there. I mean, you'd basically get cut. <laughs> and so wow. able to able to um, – stay on board for those four years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So after your, after your four years at Wyoming, what was the next uh, big deal for, for Coach Huey? I have to back up for a second. Wyoming is a great experience for me. I know you, okay. you mentioned the thing about uh, culture shock. No, I mean, because, you know, you, having watched uh, television in those days, you saw a lot of the Western shows on television at that time growing up in Pennsylvania and junior high and high school high school and you see these westerns and one of them was laramie so that's what he was <laughs> so you know you piqued your interest you know yeah uh, to go west uh it was it was an adventure uh it had a romanticizing thing to it because it was the west and you saw westerns as a kid growing up so right. the west romanticized as we all know so to get out there with a footlocker and have a cowboy pick pick you up and throw your footlocker on the back of a <laughs> the dormitory. I welcomed it. Uh, I've always done that because you have to leave yourself open to new experiences. Correct. And that's been a treasure uh, that I've embraced all my life and being able to do that. Well, one thing I will say to you, coach, I, uh, I admire that because a lot of people, especially first time away from home, they don't cherish anything other than being homesick. Yeah, that happened. Did you have any of that going on? No, never did. I, in fact, I, I, I went home my freshman year after college, back to Pennsylvania, uh, worked that summer back home, and then after that, I just stayed out in Laramie, Wyoming, every summer. We had a group of people, including a, a great running back who came out of there named Jim Kick, who played with Larry Zonka on the Dolphins' undefeated uh, football team. I think absolutely, I remember the name was a running back out of New Jersey. We had a lot of people from New Jersey, Michigan, back East, Massachusetts, uh, California, all over the United States, basically, that that were recruited to play football there. And so what we did, a lot of us, um, we'd stay out there in the summers, and we'd have a combined uh, softball team uh, made up of uh, the football coaching staff and players. And we had a great time out there in the summers. Loved it. Well, the winters, though, they weren't different from where you grew up? Yes, they were. They were a lot more severe, a lot more snow, a lot more cold. But, you know, I, I look at things like that. This is like taking a computer and you hit the reset button when it's malfunctioning or not up to snuff or whatever. You hit the right. reset. 
So you hit the reset button. Uh, I love living out there and staying out there. You have four seasons. Yes, there's some extremes, but it's, you know, you have to look at it like, okay, you have a network of friends, friendships, a community, and you make the best out of it. So it's an experience, and I'm open to experiences like that. It just helps you to adjust uh, for those things that need to be adjusted to as you mature and age and what have you. Okay, well, Coach, I still, I'm, I'm curious to know though. After, after you went through that, it was kind of like a maturing process, is what I'm taking from you. You, you, you kind of oh, grew. It's, it's growth. Yes, yeah. it's growth. yes, in a lot of different ways. So afterwards, then what happened? Well, I was there, I was there at Wyoming for four seasons, uh, four years, and uh, we won the WAC conference, Western Athletic Conference, three years straight. We oh, wow. Some, we had some great football teams there. My sophomore year, we played um, Florida State in the Sun Bowl and defeated them. The next year, we played LSU in the Sugar Bowl, and we had them 13-0 going into the fourth quarter, I think. And then they had so many people in the SEC conference, so we didn't have the numbers that they had. And so it wore us down, and, uh, you know, you're lucky to have uh, too deep, but LSU had a lot of a lot of people in that in that day. Um, their third string tailback became the MVP of that football game. Oh uh, wow! We had a great team. We had a great team, and we had a guy named Vic Washington, who I think was probably the best ever to play football there, out of New Jersey. Returned punts, played defensive back, played in the CFL for a lot of years. Came back down to the 49ers and, and did an outstanding job there. I think he ended up with Buffalo Bills. But we had some players, and Arizona hmm. State at the time was hit. Their head coach was Frank Cush, and they had all this great speed down there. They had J.D. Hill, who's an Olympic sprinter. And I played both ways in college as a defensive back and a wide receiver. So it, uh, I was on the field most of the time, and I, and I liked that. Uh, I really appreciated it and had the opportunity to do that. So you, had- you played both sides of the ball? I never knew that, Coach. Well, <laughs> yeah, you you kept secrets from me and Irvin. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was a pleasure to do that, and I was able to get it done. So it was nice, and then made all conference both ways out there. So it was good. Okay, did you get a chance to to play after after Wyoming, or what did you yeah. do then? You know, um, and I have to back up, and I, I know we're jumping around on different areas in, in my career, but. That football team in 1967-68, our football team went into playing LSU in in the Sugar Bowl there. We were the only undefeated, untied major college football team in the country, which was a proud accomplishment uh, with the people that I played with and was a part of that uh, football team. And we had a wonderful coaching staff, had some great guys, Paul Roach, Ended up uh, later on being the head football coach and athletic director at Wyoming who recruited me. Fritz Shermer, longtime great defensive coordinator in the NFL uh, with Mike Holmgren at the Packers in Seattle. Bert Gustafson, Bill Baker. We had a fantastic staff. Um, the head coach at the time was uh, was uh, Lloyd Eaton. But um, it was a it was a great opportunity. And, and we, we competed and we played. We won. And uh, I played with some great guys and, and those people who I was involved with as a player 
uh, it was a fantastic part of my life. Okay, okay. So you had quite a bit of success. Is that what I'm getting? From, from yes, you did. It was it was a, it was a it was a great honor, and we did, we had some players uh, and had successful years there participating. Um, went to two bowl games out of the three years I was there. Played with some fantastic people. Uh, Conrad Dobler was another well-known name that came out and played with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, so it's you know. Uh, Dave Hampton played with the Packers as a running back for a number of years. So we had some we had some good athletes, great athletes come out of there. And then after that, well, my senior year, I was drafted fifth round uh, by the St. Louis Cardinals as a defensive back. Okay. Even though I played both ways. But uh, they were needed defensive backs, and so that's where I went, to St. Louis uh, Cardinals. Hmm. Then I there until um, it was funny. We we had camp in Lake Forest, uh, Illinois, north of Chicago, and we came back to St. Louis. And I remember this so vividly: walking down the hall, and the head coach's name was Charlie Winters. And so he, uh, um, his secretary tapped on this glass partition. <laughs> I thought, "Dang, this is the last day of cuts." So I was released. Uh, on that last day, um, went up to Canada and played up in Montreal, came back with the Vikings, and over that next year and a half, uh, ended up with uh, San Diego Chargers, and then I finished out there in, what, 71. Okay, okay. So your your, your career in the NFL lasted how long again? Short-lived. Short-lived, <laughs> okay, okay. I to an early young retirement, but it was okay experience. And then I, I went back to Wyoming after that, finished school, um, started work on a master's. And then I was a graduate assistant football coach, uh, working with the secondary. And the guy who was there at the time was a secondary coach named Leon Burtnett. Uh, Leon was a fantastic coach. Uh, you know, and I learned a lot of good coaching skills from him. In fact, he, he was responsible on both ends of my career, along with Paul Roach, uh, yes. But um, Leon was a graduate, I was his graduate assistant coach in Wyoming. And then fast forward 23 years of college coaching in various places. I was a freshman coach in Wyoming, then went down to New Mexico for four years in Nebraska for 10 from 77 to 87, back to Wyoming. Um, as an offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. And those were titles only. Uh, Paul wanted to groom me, possibly, and have a chance to become the head football coach at Wyoming. There's no guarantees. I left Nebraska in 87, um, having spent 10 years there, uh, which was an honor and, and it's certainly a great tribute uh, to be there. I had a cousin, Ben Gregory, uh, who played there from 64 to, to 60. Um, uh, eight, and he was a co-captain when Bob Devaney was the, the head coach at the time. And Bennett's son, Morgan Gregory, uh, also played there. And uh, and Ben and I grew up in Pennsylvania. We were first cousins, but um, basically we're nine months apart in age. Um, basically, he was my hero growing up in high school. Hmm. He carried himself, the way he conducted himself, and certainly his athletic abilities and talents. Then the 
uh, Coach Devaney, John Melton, recruited him, um, along with some other Western Pennsylvania guys, um, to Nebraska, and he went out there in 64, played running back, was a great player, was a co-captain there on their team, uh, got drafted by the Buffalo Bills, and then he tore up a knee and, and was out of it and started coaching in the Denver public school system down there and was a fantastic football coach. He coached uh, Rashawn Salam, the Heisman Trophy winner, as a running back out of Colorado. Right, yeah. He coached. Yeah, he won a Heisman, I believe, didn't he? He coached Eric Bieniemy, who was yeah, who's in the league and is a coordinator, and hopefully we'll get a head coaching job in the NFL. And Lamont Warren, who I coached here at the Colts, was a running back. So my cousin uh, had worked with all three of those players at, at Colorado, and Bill McCartney was the head football coach there. Now, I heard you mention Coach Melton. At mm-hmm. now, he was coaching at Wyoming. Is that is that? John played. Uh, John Melton played ball at Wyoming, and then okay. of course, knowing that, you know, he coached there. Uh, Coach Devaney brought he and uh, other guys, uh, Jim Ross, and, and I can't remember who else who else came with him to Nebraska when he took the job there. I think in '62, and Coach Devaney was awesome. You know, uh, I know he coached my cousin. It was always great to be in around him in conversation. In fact, it was he one time stopped me on the steps there in the uh, in the football office. Uh, uh, the job at Wyoming was open. It was back in the, um, I want to say, probably in the mid-80s or, or sooner. And uh, he just stopped me one day on the steps and said, hey, Gene, you ought to try to interview for that Wyoming head football job. And at the time, I was not ready to be a head football coach or even a coordinator, but he thought that, hey, maybe this will give you some experience to do it. And I interviewed the Denver airport. Obviously didn't get that job, but it was through Bob Devaney's efforts and his belief in me as a person, as a football coach and my talents and abilities. Uh, you know, people advocate for you. Right. Me, Correct. Leon Burtnett at Wyoming and others who've been in my professional career in life uh, were advocates. And I certainly appreciated that very much. So, Bob Devaney, you guys got history. So when he came, when he came to Nebraska, I tell you what. Before we go into that, I'm going to take a quick break, Coach, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to get into more of this conversation with Coach Huey. This is ninety three point seven. The tickets to get you happy on hour. We'll be right back. Get your happy on hour featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Hey, we back. Coach Hugh, are you still with me? Still with you, Rick. You bet. Okay, well, you know, I just want to say this. Uh, I really appreciate Brett down in Tulsa checking out the show too. Thank you, Brett. That means a lot to me. I know I know you're a pretty loyal follower, and I just want you to know this, not taking for granted. But coach, now we were talking before the break. Uh you was Tell me about your connection with Coach Devaney and and Coach Melton. Did mm-hmm. that play a? Uh, I'm a I'm a guess and say that played a major role in what where you 
why you ended up in Nebraska. Is that correct, or am I wrong? No, it's it's part of it. But I was at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque uh, from '74 to '77. Um, oh, okay. You know, I was down there coaching receivers and and, and uh, stayed in the WAC and um, was able to do that for four seasons. And then uh, at one time, I got a phone call from um, from Coach Osborne. Uh, just um, we had a conversation about the possibility of maybe me coming up there and being a part of that coaching staff, which I just, you know, uh, to be able to coach in Nebraska where my cousin played um, and other people that I knew out of Western Pennsylvania, and then certainly the Nebraska Wyoming connection with coach Devaney and then had the opportunity uh, through my discussion with coach Osborne to come to um, Nebraska and coach the wingbacks and tight ends. And Jerry Moore was the split-in uh, coach at the time. And, mm -hmm. yes, I was, I was excited about that opportunity uh, to advance my own career, uh, to coach in the Big 8 at the time uh, was the conference, and to be a part of that great tradition uh, of Nebraska football, as we all know. Correct. So so you, you say you had a conversation about it, <laughs> so apparently that conversation went well <laughs> it did, but, you know and i he had uh, contacted the head coach there at the time bill mont about the possibilities of of, of me uh, going to nebraska and once that was all uh, agreed upon and what have you then I, I came up there in the spring of 77 yes oh okay mm -hmm. so, so basically before you came yeah, you just barely beat me here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, I, came, I came in 79. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. well Coach, that's what there when I first got there. Uh, Tim Smith was a, was a, one of the better players in the Big Eight at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, tight end named Ken Spaeth and Mark Dufresne, who I had a chance to, uh, to work with. Uh, Curtis Craig was there. Roger's brother was a wing right. on there on, on that uh, roster. Uh, had some great players. And uh, didn't you have didn't you have one of my native Texans named Junior Miller? Had Junior uh, certainly <laughs> was a great great football player. I mean, you know, uh, this guy could play wide out. He certainly played tight end and played it very well, and uh, was a joy to watch and be around. Uh, he and Kenny Brown, who was a wingback, uh, were two. Yep, I remember friends. Kenny Brown. They were two great friends. And, you know, one of the funniest things, Rick, would be, I think we were over to Iowa State, and my room uh, as a coach was next door to those two. It was Saturday morning, you know, we're going to play a game that afternoon. And those two were over in that room. You could The walls were paper thin. They are over there laughing like crazy at cartoons. <laughs> I would say and those two great players, junior certainly. He was a number one pick for the Atlanta Falcons. And um then he ended up be uh, playing with the Dallas Cowboys, but he was a great, great player and a fun guy to be around and work with. Had a big deep laugh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You can hear Junior a mile away. Very infectious. Right. And, he worked there, you know. He set up a business. He and his wife, yeah, uh, it was a, a, a bulk mailing business there. In right, correct. In fact, he had Miller Mailing, I think it was called. Yes, and one time hired uh, 
Coach Osborne's daughter, Anne, uh, to work there. So that was neat. Yeah. To see, yeah. You know what his background was coming out of uh, uh, Texas, and Jerry Moore right. recruited him and uh, had the opportunity to work with him as a position coach. But what a great talent. Yeah, Big Junior was a handful for anybody on defense. <laughs> yeah. He walked you back off that ball. I don't care who it was. <laughs> And let me tell y'all, everybody, Coach Huey is a stickler for that. He yeah. he want everybody to be physical, <laughs> and that's the one. And that's the one thing I didn't quite understand because I was like, Coach, you must didn't watch any film on me in Texas. I ain't run over a, nothing. Yeah, but <laughs> you think about it is in Nebraska it was a running game, and I remember my, one of my first meetings. I, don't know if, I think you may have been in the room in that auditorium where we met. <laughs> It was. No, that was a 77 meeting. Yeah, I came in 79. You came in nine. But anyhow, knowing what I knew about Nebraska at the time and its history, it was a a running football team, the Big Eight. Yes. Had great backs, you know, over the years. You know, Frank Solich and my cousin Ben Gregory and Harry Wilson were on that backfield when Coach Devaney was the head coach. Certainly had Roger Craig. You had Mike Rozier. you had all these backs that were just fantastic. Jarvis Redwine, you know. Yeah, uh, I am hip. <laughs> you know, I am hip. You know, even we'll have to put Tim Worth back in there too for what he yep, yep. At the time, you know. And he had those kinds of people there that were just fantastic athletes. So you're gonna run the football. There's no question you're gonna run the football at Nebraska. So one of my first meetings, I opened up that auditorium door, I had a little blocking bag. I opened up the door. They couldn't see me. I don't know if you were in there at that time when I did it. And I just tossed that bag in the room. They didn't see who tossed it. It was just landed in the room. So that was just a a, a point to be made that, men, we will throw the football and we will catch all three or 13 of them thrown. But we're definitely <laughs> going to block. So the, the <laughs> We're going to block on a running football team with these great backs. And that became the challenge, you know, to divert the attention from, you know, thinking you're going to be thrown a lot of footballs. Right. You're not going to be thrown a lot, but whatever are thrown, I want them caught, three or 13, as you know, I used to say that. But the big thing was the physical part of it and the blocking for those backs. You know, you're changing the line of scrimmage with a line, then getting downfield in that second level. That required people to go in there and block, and I don't care who they were. Yeah, Pernell Gatson was a quarterback out of Omaha Central, I think. Mm-hmm. He was converted to a wing back. You had Dana Brinson. You had yourself. You played split in, but Rob Schnitzler, Tim McCrady, um, Schotker. We had Todd Brown. Todd Brown, out of Holding. Yeah. Yeah. And you had Mitch Crink, Junior Miller. Yeah. I mean, we had some- you remember Dan Thrill Hill? Dan the Thrill, yeah. <laughs> and one of those funny things, he was running downfield that time. And I remember, I can just still see Mitch Crink laughing. If the ball was thrown and Dan didn't get his head turned quick enough, and the ball wedged itself in his face mask. And I think he ran a step or two before he realized the ball was sitting in his face mask. <laughs> then, fun, as you well know, yeah. blocking was paramount if you're going to play that position. 
Yeah. You, had, you had to go in there and sacrifice your body and get after people. And uh, one of the best at doing that was Irving Fryer. A lot yep. of mass catching abilities and talents. Irving was physical and he accepted those challenges, which I greatly appreciate as a position coach. I remember playing Wyoming over in um, Lincoln one year and uh, he cracked back on a player on the inside there. I think it was a safety and it was physical and uh, Irving was that kind of a player. So you always chose those kinds of players. Um, but you wanted the others to emulate. This is where you're going to have to play it if you're going to play receiver here at this place. And that's well, what I, I figured it out real quick because I really wasn't the physical guy. But, <laughs> but I felt like if I don't get physical, <laughs> I'm going to be on the side, standing beside you with a baseball cap on. That's and true. I didn't want to do that. Because one thing about you, you, you're much friendlier now than you were then. I'll just say that. Oh. Because you laugh and stuff. And you were nice to us off the field, but on the field, Coach, come on, man. You you had a you had a passion about yourself, and yes. you were serious. Yeah, and, you know, because um, uh, that's always – I've always carried that because if you're out there, it's my responsibility as a position coach, as a mentor, as a coach, whatever, to get the best out of that individual's talents and abilities. And then at – that individual has to be a part of that group. And we have to play that way because no matter who's out there, uh, people sometimes ask me, having coached here in the NFL for 19 seasons, who was the better running back, uh, Edwin James or Marshall Falk? And my standard reply, and I sincerely mean this, is whoever that 111th is out there on the field, whether it be a wing back, a split in, a tight end, or a running back, positions I've coached, whoever that 111th is, because I have great memories of Rob Schnitzler, who was a wingback, but he mm -hmm. was tenacious. He and Roger Lindstrom, uh, Dana Brinson, Pernell Gatson, you know, guys that could have played wingback. Uh, they, they went after you. They got after you. And I, I've always had some fond memories of those times and the efforts of those people. Well, Coach, I, I got a text from – Mike Red Baron. <laughs> oh, Red. Red told me to tell you hello. And, and I just want to make sure you know that. And I appreciate because I had Red on the show a couple of weeks back. And we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Good man. I, I, I see the text and, and the uh, uh, his um, responses and so forth. And I was just so pleased and happy to see the honor uh, that has been given to Frank Solich. Uh, for what he accomplished there at Nebraska as a head football yeah, coach. Absolutely. Um, an unfortunate uh, dismissal because Frank had some some great skills as a head football coach, and that certainly was demonstrated in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of success at Ohio. Yeah, I happened to be back there for uh, uh, to see Frank when he was there uh, for Doug DeBose uh, getting uh, honored. So. And he recruited Doug, and he recruited Mike Rozier, he recruited Irving. And he yeah. recruited some great players to Nebraska and uh, was a very fine football coach and certainly glad to see uh, those honors bestowed upon him. Yeah, well, it was well-deserved. I mean, I mm -hmm. agree. You know, sometimes things don't always work out the way they should, but, man, he, he had a very successful career, and I can honestly say he was a, he's a good person. Yes, he was. 
Yeah, That's good person. Still right. Yeah, and I and I respect you, Coach Solage. If you're listening, just want you to know you're well respected and re- well appreciated. But Coach, I got a I got a little bone to pick with you. <laughs> yeah, you had this drill before I moved to wide receiver. I I started off at wing back, right? And you had this one on one drill. Well, we go with the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it was really fair for you to put me at 160 pounds soaking wet up against Jimmy Williams in a two-point stance, and I'm in a three-point stance because that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I don't know what I don't know why you done me like that, but but you did, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't apologize for it, and you were <laughs> and even when I admitted to you I can't block him, you said, "Well, line up and do it again." <laughs> Well, you know, we don't we don't know what we're capable of doing until we're placed in those positions and and uh, we get challenged. And yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. I never I never weathered that storm. I I, I never blocked Jimmy Williams at all. No. I mean, that was more that was more in line of people like like Jim, uh, Jamie and and Junior Miller, but well, not you know, Rick. And I'll give you a Jamie Williams story. Okay. Jamie and Roger, of course, they went to Davenport Central High School, I think, over there in Iowa. And so Jamie was a young tight end. And, uh, you know, Junior Miller had been there. And uh, Jamie, of course, ended up playing for the 49ers a number of years on those great teams out there as a, as a, as a tight end. But we had those drills against the outside backers or inside backers, too, with the wing backs and tight ends. And... He had to go against George Andrews, <laughs> George <had the> quickest <laughs> forearms <laughs> that you'd ever want to not be hit by, I guess. But he <laughs> he jacked Jamie up real quick in <laughs> that face mask, and it turned his helmet to where he was looking almost out the ear hole. <laughs> I, then I, I thought, okay, I'm going to see how he responds to this. <laughs> he straightened up his helmet, buckled back up the chin strap, and he knew I wasn't going to let him out of that drill. He had to <laughs> so he got back in three-point stands and came off the ball the next shot and competed. And that's what you're always searching for as an individual position coach. Right. Will guys, right. Will guys compete? You know, and and for the most part, you have those kind of guys. I know we bring up things like this, and I'm running stories through my mind and so forth and reflecting. But I remember a guy named Monty Engelbritson. Yep, yep. Monty was, Monty was yes, he was, but he was also I think Monty was a backer before he became a tight end. Then he switched over to the offensive side of the ball. Oh, and he, okay. had a, he had a little bit to learn and to toughen up and, and get after people, what have you. And he did that admirably. He could run, great, great speed. I was with the Colts and we were playing the Seattle Seahawks. I happened to be up in Seattle because we we're going to play that game on a Sunday. And Monty was um, in a hospital up there for cancer. Uh-huh. And that's, I think that's what he died from, uh, terminal cancer. But he was one of the youngest ever supervisors in, in the profession and job that he had. And that didn't surprise me because he was a very talented young man. But to visit him in that hospital up there and to see where he was and fighting for his life, and you thought, here's a guy that played linebacker, 
Um, that didn't work out for him. Then he was moved over to the offensive side of the ball and became one of our better and talented tight ends. And years later, uh, or I don't know how soon after that, but uh, when I saw him in that hospital, uh, he passed. And Mitch Crink and I drove out uh, to his service out there, and I think it was in the um, Grand Island Hastings area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to reflect back, thinking, here's this guy, you know, that there were question marks and what have you and so forth about his toughness and his abilities. And here he battled for his life. And it just makes you reflect on things. And those are all uh, teaching moments that you remember about people and individual courage and talents. And that was one of them. Well, coach, I'll say this. I mean, one -hmm. thing I can, I can own up to is you did, you know, you did what you needed to do to get the best out of all of us. Because I remember vividly moving to wide receiver and I'll get, matter of fact, I got a story for you when I get back, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere on 93.7. The tickets to get to have you on hour. Be right back. Back to the Get Your Happy on Hour featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. And we're back. Coach, we got about six minutes left, and I got to tell you this funny story right quick. I want you to think about this. I think it was the uh, Oklahoma game in 83. And uh, hmm. I had to, I had this, I think it was, that play was 41 sprint draw, and it yeah. was always me having to crack back on a linebacker. <laughs> You know, and I, it was cold and rainy. I mean, I wasn't really feeling uh, that. I looked at you, and you say, Ricky, you got to get that block. And that's all you said. You walked away. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you. It made me go in there and get that block. Oh, the camera was on you. The eyes the were on you. On. It, was a, it was a national televised game. And I was like, man, Coach you psyched me out. Yeah. <laughs> made me get that block. You psyched yourself up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I knew if I didn't, it was going to be somebody standing over there with, with, with a helmet in their hand talking about, you okay? You know, I can go in for you. And I and I know how that meet, that turns out. If you if they go in for you, you may never get back in there. So I thought I better get that block. But, Coach, uh, I want to ask you right quick, can you kind of tell me about your pro career and, uh, and the successes that you had? Yeah. You know, time we have left. I had a chance to come down here in 91 and did an internship with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And Leon Burnett, again, who I was a GA for in Wyoming, was an assistant coach here on the Colts. He says, come down to an internship. So I did the internship and felt like, okay, I was here for two weeks. Um, the NFL is a very close-knit fraternity. Your chances of getting a job in here are remote. And mm-hmm. so – had a job at Ohio State, um, so I went back to that. And that fall, uh, Ron Meyer, the head coach at the time, had been fired. And then um, I had a call from several people who were uh, involved with uh, the Colts at the time, uh, indicating that if had they gotten the job, they 
wanted to talk to me about possibility coming down and being a running back coach. Well, uh, Ted Marchabota used to be the head coach when they were the Baltimore Colts at one time. And mm-hmm. Ted called me up and um, said, well, I asked him, would I be interested in coming down and interviewing for the running back job? And I came down that morning, um, talked to him. Uh, it wasn't so much about X and O's as it was about his feel for me and my abilities to coach and deal with people. So we had lunch and that afternoon. He said, Hey, I want to hire you. And, uh, took me into Jim Mercy, the owner and said, uh, he wanted to hire me. So I was here. Oh, through five head football coaches in 19 years and became, you had a 19 year career with in the NFL. Yeah. Wow. I ended up becoming the longest tenured coach in the franchise history, which I still remain, which is a great honor. But you don't get there by yourself. You have, have you have right. to have people advocating for you. And Leon Burtnett was certainly that on both ends of my career, and Paul Roach, Fred Shermer. And certainly the, the head coaches that I worked for, Tom Osborne in Nebraska and John Cooper at Ohio State, to name a few. All those guys uh, advocated for me. And, but, and, but Coach, I got to ask this one question. Yeah. Didn't you win a Super Bowl in Indianapolis? Yeah, 2006. Yeah, okay, we that's what I know. I believe the head coach was Tony Dungy at that time. Tony was a head coach at the time, yes. Okay. And the thing that I really respect out of Tony, we had two running backs at that time, Anthony Steele, not Anthony Steele. Here I'm thinking about Slick. Slick um, Yeah. Rest but, in peace. Uh, we had uh, running back uh, Joseph Adai. And then mm-hmm. uh, we had two backs at that time. And, and so uh, – I was able to go to Tony Dungy and say, listen, I want to start the other kids instead of this, the uh, draft tee. And I know you're going to catch flack about it, but one thing I respect about Tony, he said, Gene, keep doing it the way you've been doing it. So um, I ended up playing the other back, uh, helped us get to a Super Bowl. It all worked out well that season. So um, um, I appreciate that. And I believe your quarterback was Peyton Manning, right? Exactly. Okay, I got you. Peyton was here. But, you know, and and all with all credit given to those teams that Peyton Manning was a quarterback on, I personally feel like, you know, the team that we went back and played the Steelers in 90, I think it was a 94-95 season. Mm -hmm. uh, We played the Pittsburgh Steelers for the AFC Championship, and that was Jim Harbaugh was the um, quarterback. And that, to me, was the team that put the Indianapolis Colts on the map. Uh, not taking away from anything that followed that mm-hmm. athletes there, but uh, Marvin Harrison, you know, uh, you had Edron James, Marshall Falk. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. well-known yeah. players. Well, Coach, look, we, we're running out of time here. Yeah. I just I wanted to say one last thing before I let you go. How does Coach Hewitt get his happy on? <laughs> Meeting and engaging people. There That's you go. Happy on. That's perfect. Well, thanks for inviting me on tonight. I've uh, certainly enjoyed it, Rick, and you're doing a great job out there, and much continued success to you. Well, I appreciate that, Coach, and I want to say something. I end my show the same way every week, and I'm not going to stop right now. So I'm going to say it like this. Thank you all for tuning in, and just understand one thing. Every day you bless the saint. It's just another day in paradise, and no matter what, you got to get your happy old. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see you next Sunday.